Well, friends, it is good to be with you on this Friday. It really is good to be with you on Friday. I love Fridays. I love I love being on Radio Pulpit, engaging with the listening audience on Radio Pulpit 657 AM and Radio Cape Pulpit 729 AM. You are with me, Mark Penrith, along with Peter Smith, uh, your host. Uh, who am I, you might ask? I'm the husband of Liesl the father of Caitlin, Catherine, and Thomas, and a pastor at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. Peter, tell people who you are. Good morning, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, I'm, I'm the husband of my beautiful wife, Bridget. I'm the, the father of Emma and the soon-to-be father of a newborn baby boy, God willing, next next year, March. And I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I help Pastor Jock in his ministry at Pretoria North Baptist Church. Well, Table Talk is podcast. Guys, we've been putting quite a lot of effort and energy into our podcast over the last couple of weeks. We've been thinking about 2023 and how to improve getting great content to you, the listener. And so our podcasts are available on rono.fm as well as Apple Podcast, as well as Google Podcasts. And you can listen, subscribe, rate and review there. We are, as far as possible now, actually trying to segment the show into questions so that you can easily find questions which appeal to you and we are thinking about spreading those questions out over the week so that they come to you in bite-sized chunks. Um, thanks very much to folk that are partnering along with Peter in order to get that done. Now, I'm right in saying, Peter, that you're joined by a couple of guys that are uh, that are joining us in this ministry. Yeah. <laughs> Who are we speaking about, yet? Yeah, friends of mine, friends of mine from church. They just, they love to serve. They love to learn and, and young, a lot of them young people. Well, uh, praise the Lord. They don't have anything better to do. So, <laughs> so I got to tell you, it's so exciting because for the last, I don't know, Vusi, uh, how long have I been on this? Three years, two years, three years? Ah, it's been about there. Um, I've been doing the podcast and it takes like, it takes me forever because I'm like so retentive when it comes to details. Uh, and so wonderful to be joined. Um, by other guys in this ministry. Thanks for those of you who are partnering with us. Um, we are a live listener engaged show. And I've got to say, guys, I know it's a public holiday, but I'm really keen to know who's out there and listening in. If you are a friend of Table Talk, now is the time to say something on Facebook, on WhatsApp, on Telegram, to tweet if you're a twit. Um, uh, get get something out there, say something, say hi, tell us who you are and where you're from, uh, where you're listening in from, what your local church is and your favorite Christmas carol, whatever that might be. Um, it would be great to hear from from you um, and and maybe today as we sit on the cusp of 2023 let me put a listener question out there and I'm about to give you the details by the way so that uh, so that you know how to interact with us this morning um, but here's a listener question uh, as we're on the cusp of 2023 as I know some people are planning on going to church particularly on Christmas Day as they might be looking for a new church uh, in the new year I'm keen to know what are you looking for in a church what are you personally looking for in a church if you're already in a church maybe tell me what are some of the things you love about the local church that you are in how can you join in the conversation this morning well you can find into the studio Vussy is standing by ready to take your calls on this public holiday excited to be involved with the ministry pressing all the lights uh, behind the controls answering the call our co-laborer in this ministry Vussy it's always good to be with you and thank you for joining us today 
uh, you can engage in the show by phoning into the studio. The studio line is 012-334-1322. I will shortly add that to the show notes on Facebook. Um, or alternatively, you can drop a comment. If you're listening to the live stream on Facebook, if you're watching the video right now, it's good to be with you. Uh, you can just drop a comment down below. We will see that in studio and be able to engage and interact with what you are saying. You can also send a voice note or a message in via WhatsApp and Telegram. The telephone number there is 082-657-2729. Looking forward to those voice notes. And lastly, if you're a, a Twitter user, I've become a Twitter user. I've been engaging on Twitter quite a lot. I, I think it's got something to do with the owner now being I a South so, African. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a couple of the rules that have changed on Twitter that have certainly freed up conversation um, in terms of the people that I'm listening to and the kinds of content that I'm seeing. Um, I've been using Twitter for the last couple of weeks and am starting to figure out how to use Twitter in general. Uh, you can tweet us on at 657 AM. This morning, friends, we're live on 657 AM Radio Pulpit. If you are in your car, you might be listening to us there. Uh, 729 AM Radio Cape Pulpit. That must be down in the Western Cape. Guys, it's great to have you with us. If you're down in the Western Cape, dodging, if I understand the news reports correctly, dodging load shedding in ways that us in Gauteng aren't. Um, if you are streaming, you might be on Facebook, uh, Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. Now would be a great time, by the way, to like and to share the show. Uh, on DSTV, channel 882, if you're wanting to listen to pristine digital audio, or Open View channel 607. And we are also presently streaming to www.radiopulpit.co.za. Wherever you are tuning in, welcome. It is good to be spending Friday morning together with you. I do want to say hello to the first comment that we have uh, on the show this morning, and that is Ray, uh, Ray Clanons from uh, Huddle Crane in Rudderport. And uh, Ray says, I love Table Talk. Ray, I love Table Talk too. And I really enjoy Friday mornings. Love engaging in the show. Friends, this is a Bible Q&A show, which means your Bible questions and answers are, are really important to kind of kick us off so that we can engage. So if you're listening in, now would be a great time uh, to engage with us with a question, with a comment, um, something that can spur us in the conversation. Even as we begin the show uh, this morning, I do want to say we would normally have an insert now, the State of the Nation, where we get joined by Freedom of Religion South Africa. However, our friends from Freedom of Religion South Africa are on holiday this week, and so we won't begin the engagement uh, with freedom of uh, religion but but maybe we can just talk about a little bit of church history what happened in uh, in this week in church history peter why, why don't you kick us off yeah mark so um i'm sure you're familiar with uh, an african church father called augustine right ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love augustine yes <laughs> yeah and just august his name is augustine augustine that's the book room augustine is the person <laughs> ah, okay great thanks <laughs> um so um a lot of people know Augustine, and uh, we love his writings, we love his contribution to Christianity and the church. But what a lot of people don't know about was the biggest influence on his life, and that was his mother, his mother, Monica. And this week, when Augustine was born a few thousand years ago, he was one month old. 
And as a one-month-old baby, his mother made a vow that she is going to pray for him every day as much as she can in order to pursue him for God. And uh, Augustine would, would often speak about how his mother and how God uses his mother as this, as this hound that he calls it. He, he called God the hound of heaven, not as an insulting way, but as this hound that constantly tracks Augustine down as he's trying to run away from God. He, he hated God. He hated the religion of his mother. He loved his mother. He just wasn't interested in anything that his mother believed in. But his mother was so persistent in not just praying for him, but quite literally pursuing him. Um, mm. There's this one stage where he went off to Italy. He left North Africa and he, he went to Italy to escape his mother. <laughs> and she just came after him. <laughs> and and she found him there. And there in Italy, after conversations and sharing the gospel and praying, that's when he got saved. That's when he put his faith in Christ. I, I just, I love that story. I, I, it actually, it resonates with me. Um as a as a child I, I grew up in a believing home. My parents are both believers, they love Jesus. Um my mother would share the gospel with me all the time. Um particularly when we went to bed, she'd pray with us, um she would share the gospel with us that Jesus died for our sins. I actually even as I kind of close my eyes now I remember uh, scenes with myself and my sisters as, as very little children kind of four years old um, and my mom praying uh, where we lived in Pickering Street in, in Port Elizabeth um, cut, cut forward many years um, maybe 18 years I was living a life of, of, of decadence um, uh, running away from God as far as I could and I remember my father saying that my mother would pray for me um, uh, every single day and that she would wet the bed pillow with her tears that my mother would pray for me with tears for my salvation that God would save me um, I think a godly mother is probably in the testimony of many many believers um, I knew that about Augustine uh, and I love that about him and about his testimony that it includes family members um, and I imagine even right now listeners listening in um, can talk of parents mm. who prayed for them and uh, shepherded them and shared the gospel with them and for those that didn't but are believers their aspirations of praying for their children and for their family member sometimes even with tears I, I want to just read a comment from Janice who's listening in this morning says morning Pastor Mark Penrith um, and I'm going to just add in Janice uh, Peter Smith uh, table talk this is the highlight of my week the song that I love so much at this time of year is Handel's Messiah mm. oh Handel's Messiah is a beautiful song <laughs> just I, I can I can just picture a full orchestra and a massive choir singing all glory to God um, uh, you are right beautiful song this time of year Handel's Messiah thanks for commenting on that Janice um, uh, in terms of uh, Augustine you mentioned Augustine Bookram uh, Augustine's obviously had a massive impact on uh, on history history of the Christian church um, how have you accessed yourself Augustine um, by what others have written mm. about him um, by those who have read him and then kind of published literature or have you uh, accessed Augustine directly yourself? Yes, so I, I've I've read Augustine's autobiography co called Confessions. Uh, you can, if you yes. Google it, you can get a free PDF. But if you go to a good book room like Augustine Book Room or Good Neighbors, you can get a, a easily translated English version, which yes. I highly recommend. Yes, and um, m I think most historians 
uh, recognized that Confessions is the first autobiography ever written. Wow. Um, and Confessions for me is such an impactful book because he wrote the whole book almost as a prayer. Yes. But one of the artistic, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an artsy guy. I like to, I like to admire the artsy things, okay. you know, in literature or music. One of the artsy things about the book is, is his book is sometimes very confusing, not in the sense of what his meaning is, but how his flow of thought is. Like he'll, he'll wander around yes. in his book a lot. Sure. But that was on purpose because. He's, he's trying to visualize how he would wander around. And mm. eventually when he finds God in his book, that's when his book forms a more systematic pattern. And so I, I would highly recommend that book, Confessions, to any Christians as a devotional read. Um, definitely there are some sections which are harder to understand because Augustine was also a great philosopher. Mm. Um, but there are so many amazing things. Quotes, if I can give you a few quotes, and yeah, I'd love sure. to hear what yeah. you say about them. For example, in, in the first chapter of his, in the first book of Confessions, he writes, God has made us for himself, and you, O Lord, and in you, O Lord, our hearts are, will always remain restless until they find rest in you. Yeah, it's beautiful. I've quoted it on Facebook and Twitter a number of times over the last uh, years. Um, it, it is a staggeringly wise quote. It is, yeah, and and one that I I read this week as I was just reading about Augustine again and you know paging through his confessions was one that I've experienced many times throughout this year. He says, "The punishment of every disordered mind." Is its own disorder, <laughs> and when I read that, I felt like he was yeah. pointing the finger at me because, you know, throughout the year there are periods, some weeks where things are not orderly, <laughs> and that's punishment in itself for me. And yes. and so, uh, and the book is full, full thousands of that type of perfect quotes. Yes, and I, I I can recommend. I want to recommend everyone if you can get a copy of it, now, read it, enjoy it. Off the top of my head, I can't remember which book it was, but but I have read. Um, in the past that um, Augustine, one of his books, it was either Two Cities um, mm. or it was Confessions, uh, is considered what, one of the most impactful books upon Western philosophy mm. uh, and thinking uh, that came out of his generation. And we're talking, what, 400 AD, yeah. thereabouts. 430. 430, about, uh, about. thereabouts. Um, certainly, Augustine had a profound influence on Martin Luther, who loved the early church fathers and could quote them. I mean, he must have had something of an eidetic mind mm. uh, in that he could quote the early church fathers without any manuscript um, before him. If he had read it once, he could quote chapter and verse, um, not paraphrase, but verbatim. Um, Martin Luther was certainly impacted by Augustine, and then even more so, uh, John Calvin in Geneva. Um, certainly lent heavily upon Augustine when it came to matters of soteriology. When I think of Augustine, one of the things that I do think of is um, his uh, his interpretation of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where he just hits allegory off the charts. I mean, just a, a dreadful interpretation, <laughs> which always helps me to remember. Never mind how much you revere a hero. Um, always read anyone critically and against God's word which I, th I think is a helpful you know kind of um, uh, what, standard standard yeah. when it comes to anyone that you're engaging with in reading definitely <laughs> uh, especially our heroes in the faith I mean sometimes we can be naive 
Uh, but I think I've been disappointed enough by my heroes, not to be naive anymore. But but it wasn't like that when I was a new Christian. I yes. would discover someone like Martin Luther. Oh. I was like, wow, this guy. He's the man. And then you read some of the things he said about certain people. And yeah. you're like, you're almost like shattered, broken. Anti-Semitic. And then <laughs> yeah. you go, well, how does that work out? <laughs> yeah. You know, how can you have a guy with such good theology saying some things which are so dreadful? Mm. Um, and the same would be true of, of any writer yes. of the past. So this week... And because we're in the Christmas season and because we're currently preaching at uh, Central Baptist Church, a series focused on Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 to verse 25. And that has the verses which say, as was spoken by the prophets, this was to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophets, that the virgin shall be with child and shall bear forth a son and he shall be named Emmanuel, which translated means uh, God with us, and so I've been preaching a three-part a three-part sermon series, uh, God to us, focused on the prophetic kind of utterance, and I looked at particularly Isaiah chapter seven and interpreted Isaiah chapter seven and and brought that forth, um, and then we skipped over and we looked. Uh, this week we'll be looking at the virgin shall bring forth a a child, and so we're looking at him um, at the incarnation of Christ, and then on. Christmas Sunday, uh, which is the 25th, we'll be looking particularly at Emmanuel, God mm. with us. So this Sunday, we're going to be looking at the incarnation. And so um, what I decided, I, I, I started my preparation process quite early in the week and on Tuesday, um, I decided I wanted to read what the Puritans might say. So I headed over to a website called uh, Monogism, which really con- often contains kind of writings of Puritans ordered by topic so I browsed over to the incarnation um, but instead of a Puritan I, I found a link to a book written by Athanasius mm. and um, I, I, I linked over uh, obviously I had in my mind last Sunday this is a bit rambling but last Sunday we had in fact read the Nicene Creed because it contains elements which point to the virgin birth um, and so we read the Nicene Creed and then sang a song which was um, based on the Nicene Creed um, so I, I had the creeds in my mind I knew the Athanasian Creed I decided to go and read the Athanasian Creed it's a, it's a little bit kludgy um, and so I wasn't expecting much from a book written by Athanasius and we're talking as Athanasius like goes back again to those 400 mm. ADs um, to the Council of Nicaea, uh, Nicene um, and um, I, I read a book on the incarnation um, and I, w- I read in particular the first three chapters excellent sure. I, it was like it was written yesterday so contemporary in terms of the translation um, but even more so um, the way that Athanasius approaches the incarnation and objections to the incarnation and applications which can be derived from the from the incarnation actually feel like a contemporary book. It was quite incredible handling a work which is 1,600 years old at a time that the deity and humanity of Christ, his human nature was being discussed and was being engaged on. And to find a piece of writing which actually just felt like it could have been written last week. That's amazing. Uh, one of the publications of that book, and I, I think it's a publication that was published in the early 1950s, has a foreword that was written by C.S. Lewis. Yes, it's this book. Is it that yes, book? yes. That foreword is enough to keep you busy for weeks. <laughs> uh, it's excellent. I mean, so C.S. Lewis, uh, for those who are 
tracking the conversation we've been talking about guys from ages past augustine and we've been speaking about athanasius and uh, now you skip forward like 1600 years <laughs> and you hit an anglican um and a fairly high church anglican um c.s lewis he's the writer of the lion the witch and the wardrobe which is the most famous for the narnia series and um, but he wrote plenty of other r- literature as well including the screw tape letters which are well worth reading um and then um on pain he wrote a um on pain it was called well i i forget but an excellent book on uh, dealing with uh, with suffering and dealing with grief and dealing with pain after the loss of his wife um but c.s lewis a, prof- a prolific writer actually mere christianity i didn't mention that yeah. um kind of a, a a philosophical discourse and apologetic uh, to the modern mind a book well worth reading i know you've been reading one of his sermons mm. um recently but but really a a, a poet and author uh, a philosopher a, a man of of great excellence and he writes the foreword for athanasius's book on the incarnation and maybe just to say athanasius book the first chapter um is just very broad dealing with the person of jesus christ the second two chapters deal with the incarnation the virgin birth and then the next two chapters deal with the death of christ the incarnation um allowing for a substitutionary atonement uh, excellent book you can read it in just an hour or two um at most um and well worth reading i'll put a mm. put a link in the That'll show notes good. even now uh when uh, when we speak about athanasius he's one of the 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 figures also like augustine he's, he's african uh, in fact um Yay, some of for his, Africa. Yeah, <laughs> some of his adversaries called him the black dwarf, well, you know, because he was a short, feisty and black And I guy. love and I love short people <laughs> and I love African people. <laughs> so this and, works um, out well on every level. And um there's this there's this saying that w- that originated actually in his time is uh, Athanasium contra mundum, meaning Athanasius against the world. That's right. Because he was ministering and pastoring and serving and writing in a time of church history where the majority and the most influential people of the church universally were were heres, uh, heretics what we call today they yes. denied the divinity of 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 Christ yes and so athanasius is seen as this sole figure not only in the super minority but as this highly almost uninfluential person fighting for truth for the bible against people who have the emperor's ear in fact i, I stand corrected but i think four times he was exiled mm, yes. so he would he would kind of come into the country and um, deliver an apologetic make a case for the deity humanity in christ in in undiluted fullness so fully god and fully man that's an athanasius um theological statement um and uh, he, he would kind of he'd kind of start the discourse and uh, those who oppose him the Arians uh, if I remember yes. correctly uh, would oppose him and Athanasius would be exiled but they wouldn't exile him for long because in actual fact uh, after a period of time it would be demonstrated that what he had said was true and they would bring him back and he would <laughs> take up the the gauntlet again and uh, just and deliver the next truth thing. just yeah. attack the next thing um, I stand corrected but was it Athanasius who punched somebody or was that Saint Nick that was Saint Nick yeah Saint yeah. Nick, the patron saint of all things Christmas, yes, uh, the correct. person who 
began he, to be called Santa Claus. Yeah, he punched Arius. Arius. Yeah, so when, he, when he said that uh, Jesus... Look, we're uh, not condoning violence. Okay, so <laughs> we, we're not saying like if you disagree with something please, on the Christian faith, uh, faith uh, the, the right mechanism is to punch a guy. Um, but, but, but yes... But uh, you appreciate the passion. The passion. You do appreciate the passion. You do appreciate the passion. Um, Heliot says, uh, thanks Mark, I did get my book. I am so glad to hear that. Praise the Lord. Uh, that is wonderful. Friends, if you're listening in on the conversation, whether it is a question on church history or you have a question on Christmas or you have a question on what makes a great church a great church or you just want to tell us about the church which you are attending and why it is a good church in your estimation um, or alternatively, if you want to tell us what you're looking for in a great church, this is how you can engage with us this morning. I know we're a little bit sleepy because it is a public holiday. Um, Vusi sitting behind the controls reminding me with his eyes that it is a public holiday today. Um, I, I get that we're a little bit slow, but friends, please do engage with the show. Uh, don't just leave it to Peter and I to create all the content. Uh, we do enjoy engaging with you. Here's how you can join the conversation this morning. You can phone into the studio. The studio line is 12 334-1322 You can drop a comment on Facebook That's Radio Pulpit Radio Console I just realized I haven't liked and shared um, the stream So I am in the process of liking and sharing the stream To my own Facebook feed That is Pastor Mark Penrith As well as to our church Facebook page Which is Central Baptist Church Pretoria Please do do that um, It's a great mechanism Which allows us to reach a wider audience um, And you can send in a voice note um, or a message to Radio Pulpit that is uh, 0826572729. You can also tweet us on at 657am. We are standing by to engage with you this morning. Um, yeah, uh, Peter, as, we, as we're talking, we've gone from <laughs> church history to uh, well, we went from ecclesiology to church history um, to Santa Claus punching uh, areas in the nose. But maybe <laughs> just to bring us back to Augustine for a moment, you had a couple of quotes that you that you wanted to deliver. Any other favorite Augustine quotes? Yes, definitely. This here's one that he he writes about the nature of love. Uh, someone asks, "What is love?" And he 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 then writes the following paragraph. He says, "What does love look like?" It has hands to help others. It has feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. It has ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. That is what love looks like. Wow. And that feels like it should almost be Paul, Pauline, right? It should it almost feels like that should be somewhere in 1 Corinthians. Uh, that, that, is, that is a very, very beautiful quote indeed. Um, can I drop a... Can I drop a, a favorite St. Augustine quote? Yes, of um, course. And th this is in the context of, so St. Augustine uh, germinated a soteriology. That's a study of um, all things um, related to the doctrine of salvation, wh which really emphasized, this, emphasized the sovereignty of God and salvation. Often, as a straw man, when we talk about the, 
so the sovereignty of God in salvation we 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 talk about um man being robbed of free will or man being robbed of his estate well that just simply isn't true neither in Augustine's writings nor in Calvin's writings nor in a Calvinistic writing or a, a writing which focuses on the sovereignty of God Augustine wrote and as a quote pray as if everything depends on God work as if everything depends on you and I think that's a a sweet um, joining of both the sovereignty of God pray as if everything depends on God and the responsibility of man work as if everything depends on you I think it's a, a sweet joining of those two ideas in a single quote and that's the quote from Augustine that I, that I remember and hold on to yeah no definitely and, and uh, having biblical theology like that brings so much comfort because it removes so much anxiety um just on a on a bit of a tangent um why <clears throat> why good theology is should be so important to us is because there's the story in in uh, when I was in Grace Fellowship uh, Pastor Jewel James Church yes. there was this old lady and she was very sickly and the reason she was very sickly was because she struggled to sleep at night and her the root of her sleeplessness was nothing medical it was theological she had this understanding that <clears throat> sorry that uh, god and the devil are like 50-50 yeah and that at any time if the devil gets the upper hand and god is maybe pinned or looks away that the devil's going to come after her and because of that she was so scared um especially at night and I remember the elders of the church just sitting her down, taking her through the Bible, showing her that God is sovereign. God is the one in control. Uh, a Martin Luther quote that comes to mind is that the devil is God's devil. Mm. That, and really to interpret Martin Luther, that God has sovereign control even over the devil. Yes. The devil doesn't get to tell God anything. Completely. And, and that... After seeing that from the Bible, after learning that and trusting God for that, she could sleep. <laughs> she could sleep, yes. she could recover. And that for me is such a good example of showing that we should really take truth seriously because mm. it's not just abstract. It quite literally influences our lives. Um, I think it was Paul Tripp that said, you become what you behold. Yes. Um, oh, so wow. If we behold, hey guys, be writing all these quotes down. They're <laughs> fantastic. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so if we behold Christ as yes. He is in the Bible, yes. not our self-made perceptions of Jesus, the the glorious, loving, gracious, sovereign King who is Jesus, that's how we become transformed more and more into the image of Christ. That's how we are better prepared for the trials and tribulations of this life. If, if you have a wrong theology. As soon as the the trials and tribulations come, you're gonna sink. You you're not gonna know how to what to do, how to react. Mm. It, it sort of reminds me of what Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, where he says, "Learn God, know God in your youth before the evil days come." And I, in the context, I interpret the evil days to be the the a the days as you get older, because then he describes the body you know becoming weak and painful and frail. Mm. And that for me has always been such good advice is before you go into the trial, 
Mm. Prepare your heart. Behold Christ. And friends, trials come to all men because we have feeble frames. Um, the truth is uh, we, we really do face um, difficulty in this life. Trials, tribulations, turmoil, uh, they're known to all of us. And so uh, it is a matter of being prepared when we prepare for difficulties to come. I'm reminded of Philemon. Did I say Philemon? I meant to say Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 which says do not be anxious Mm. about everything. Well about anything. How how can you not be anxious in this life as you face difficulty financially, as you face difficulty in your health, as you face difficulty in terms of persecution, as you face difficulty in terms of even the philosophical mindset of the world coming against you in every way how is it impossible not to be anxious in whatever turmoils trials and tribulations you are presently facing well the answer is really by trusting and relying and resting on a sovereign Mm. god he says but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god Friends, God is sovereign enough to take care of you in the midst of economic, in the midst of um, health, in the midst of whatever trial, tribulation, or turmoil you are presently facing. God is enough. In fact, he's more than enough. God can handle the difficulties that you are facing. He can give you safe refuge um, from calamity. Now, that doesn't mean he will necessarily save you from your circumstances, but it does mean that he will strengthen you in the midst of them. And all who are children of his, he will keep to the end of their journey, uh, that they might be presented before him with great joy um, (laughs) at the end of days. In fact, Paul goes on to say in Philippians chapter 4, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Even as uh, Heliot listens in, uh, Heliot says, that's my favorite Bible verse, Mark. I love it as well. I, I love Paul because Paul wasn't some kind of super apostle in a crazy expensive suit with a silk handkerchief <laughs> and crocodile leather shoes or snake shoes, snakeskin shoes, um, running around on stage shouting fire and declaring and decreeing all kinds of rubbish um, before an audience that was paying him to do so. No, Paul was an apostle who was used to trial and tribulation. He had been shipwrecked, he had been stoned, he had faced lashes, um, he had been Um, betrayed even by his friends when he gets to the end of his life he just gives a long list of people Mm. who had turned away from him and left him including very close friends like Demas um, who for the love of the world um, had gone on uh, to other places and 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 left Paul. Now this apostle was used to trial and tribulation even in Philippians. Uh, in that book of Philippians he is presently according to chapter 1 chained to a Roman guard, a Praetorian guard. Um, he's under chains, he's under bondage, he's in jail, he's under arrest and yet he can He can write in verse 4 of chapter 4 of Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Um, And then let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Uh, The Lord is at hand. Jesus Christ is coming soon, friends. And then say, do not be anxious about anything. And I do think that that his, his stability... 
Um, his ability to say do not be anxious about anything on the one hand is held by his understanding of the sovereignty of God and his ability to pray to Almighty God who is sovereign over all things but on the other hand it's that he believes that Jesus Christ is coming soon King of Kings and Lord of Lords he might not have read the book of Revelation but Paul knew that he knew that he knew that Jesus was King and that Jesus was going to win Amen Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. On this on this topic of anxiety and dealing with anxiety, if if any of our listeners are looking for a a book to tackle in this new year, a book that I can highly recommend is a book by Pastor John Piper called Future Grace. The book has thirty chapters, and it, I I think he meant it. He written he wrote it in a way that um, is meant for you to read one chapter a day because it's not it's not big chapters. I think it's somewhere chapter 4 or chapter 5 or 6 where he then speaks about this this concept of how we deal with anxiety and um he he actually deals with it from Matthew chapter 6 and f- can I quickly read for us uh, for the passage from Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 25 Matthew 6 verse 25 Jesus is speaking he says therefore I tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into to the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And Pastor John Piper, he he made an observation and a comment from this passage that changed my life. It was a very stressful period for me personally in my life. And by God's providence, he made a comment where he says the root of anxiety is unbelief because where Jesus yes. speaks about them and he, he he just points them to the reality of how, look how God is providing for all of creation now how can you who are made in God's image how will he not provide for you O oh, you of little faith because we always hear and we know it. It's it's almost maybe it's become cliches in our hearts. We know God is good. We know God is loving. We know God is sovereign. Yet we hear that every single day. But as soon as something happens, we we become anxious. We become worried. We start to doubt. And what Pastor John Piper just commented on this is where Jesus rebukes them. Oh, you of little faith is that to combat anxiety. Mm. You need to really believe God is who he says he is and that he will do what he promised to do. 
God is good, God is sovereign, He can do it, and God wants to do it. Yes. He desires to do good. That's in his nature. Yeah. Very often, we, you know, at least maybe it's not true for yourself and maybe some of the listeners, but in my mind, I have to orient myself very often that I need to remind myself that God is not only able to do good and able to save people, but he's willing. He desires to do that. Yes. It's in his nature. Yes. Uh, and and just meditating on that, especially now. Now we're in a period as a family. We've just gone through a very severe trial with the recent death of my father, and now we we're moving out of that, and so we're almost in this no man land regarding trials and tribulations. But I know the next one is coming, and so I'll you know with my family we're just trying to prepare ourselves, worshiping God, beholding Christ. So when the next tribulation comes, we can count it all joy. That we can count it all joy and going through that trial, we can look back and praise God for how he has shaped us, how he formed our character and produced endurance in our heart, made us more like Jesus Christ. And and often that process is hindered by anxiety because we do not trust God. Mm. I, I, I mean, absolutely wonderful counsel both from John Piper and articulated by you Peter um, this relationship between anxiety and unbelief and this need for us to grow in faith and in trust on Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior uh, just uh, absolutely absolutely love it um, so guys as we um, as we speak and as we engage uh, this morning, I have no doubt that um, that uh, you have questions or that you have um, uh, you have thoughts on the topics that we've spoken about, whether it be um, uh, ecclesiology, you want to talk about the church where you attend, or whether it be um, eschatology, future things, or whether it be um, God willing church history, as we've spoken about Augustine, Athanasius, um, and a couple of other people from church history, um, or if you just have a Bible question and answer that you would like to engage on, would certainly um, enjoy um, speaking to you. Yeah, this maybe morning. If, I, if I can yes. add to that, maybe if. What what are you planning to read? Last week you shared with us, mm. you know, you're planning on on reading something during your off week, the end of the year. Yes. Maybe if some of our listeners can can sh- can share with us what they are planning to read, what do they want to read? Maybe next year. Um, mm. so that would be interesting. That to would hear. be great. Uh, Olivia says, "Good morning, Olivia. It's great to have you with us this morning." Uh, that was a comment on Facebook. Thank you so much uh, for engaging with us. We do certainly enjoy. Um, interacting uh, with you um, folk you might be wondering how you can engage I'm going to give you the details before we go on a break um, and listen to some music this morning so this is how you can ask a question live on air how you can phone in and interact with myself and Peter this morning um, you can phone into the studio the telephone number is 12 Two, two. Uh, you can also drop a comment on Facebook. That's Radio Pulpit Radio Console. Now would be a great time to like and share the show if you're listening on live stream. And you can also send a voice note to WhatsApp or Telegram. That's 082 657 2729. 
If you're a twit, feel free to tweet with the handle at 657am. We are looking forward to interacting with you. At the moment, we are going to be listening to Brave by Active Worship. We will speak to you shortly. Well, friends, it is super good to be with you on a Friday. Um, really do enjoy engaging with the listening audience on Radio Pulpit, wherever you are listening to us from, whether it be a podcast post the event or whether it be currently live streaming on Facebook or on radio uh, via the website or on OpenView or DSTV, it is good to be with you. Certainly do enjoy engaging both with you, the listeners, as well as with Peter. Peter, thanks so much for being with me uh, this morning. I, I really enjoy co-hosting the show. Um, it, it makes it so much more fun when you're talking to somebody with a smile on their face who you know, engaging around God's Word uh, and just uh, seeking to bring God's Word to bear on the kinds of questions that we all have. Um, from his word. So thank you so much That's for being with me. Thank you. You've made this year um, awesome, and I have no doubt that 2023 is going to be a wonderful opportunity for both of us uh, to engage uh, with God's word and to God's glory. We do have a question which came in during the break. Um, and the question, I'm going to read the question, and then I'm going to tell you how you can send in your questions um, since we have come out of the break. So the question comes in from Janice, it comes in on WhatsApp. It is a WhatsApp message and it says, Why speak in tongues with a question mark from Janice in Cartonville? Janice, thank you so much for that question. I'm going to give Peter just the briefest time to think about how to open in answering that. But in the meantime, I'm going to tell the listeners how they can send in their own questions. They can join the conversation this morning by phoning into the studio. The telephone number is 012 3341322 Vusi is standing by to take your calls. Not only that, you can drop a comment on Facebook. That is our Radio Pulpit Radio Console Facebook page. Uh, now would be a great time to like and share if you're listening in on Facebook. And you can send a voice note into WhatsApp. Uh, that is 0826572729. Guys, Bad news. I just tried the Twitter handle um, through Twitter myself, and it did not come up onto my dashboard. So I'm assuming, see that there is a technical problem uh, in terms of the application that we use for our dashboard as it relates to Twitter. So I either need to stop saying that because maybe people have been tweeting for the last couple of years, and uh, and I haven't been seeing you. In which case, I'm dreadfully sorry um, but while we look at the technical glitch on Twitter maybe I should just uh, open up an answer uh, or the opportunity for Peter to answer the question why speak in tongues that's a great question and to answer that question we need to go back to where we see that for the first time in the New Testament which is Acts chapter 2 well, when the disciples were all gathered together and they were praying when the tongues of fire came over them and then they started, as the New Testament, as Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 writes, they started speaking in tongues. And um, the, the, the word for tongue there, the Greek word gluosa, it's it means language. Um, we in fact, some great translations, I'm thinking of the Christian Standard yes. Bible, um, translates in um, 
in Acts chapter 2 consistently as languages. I, I did appreciate uh, that particular translation there. I'm fairly certain the New American Standard Bible so. would make the distinction um, between languages known to men and tongues yes. as well and distinguish because yeah. it's a very literal translation. Anyway, no, act, definitely. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's meant to be understood in the same way, for example, when we say the, the, the phrase, what's your mother tongue? Yes. No, everyone understands that to be okay. What's your home language? What do you speak with your parents and your friends and your siblings? And and then if we continue in Acts chapter two, we see that verified when we have this list of nations given to us, people from all over the the Mediterranean, from different regions with different languages. Then they say, how is it that we hear these Galileans speaking each one his own language? Uh, it's it's almost like as if Luke is really trying to make us understand yes. that the tongues that this event that is happening here, they're not just um, they're not just uh, speaking gibberish. They are speaking the different languages of the different people who, from all over the Mediterranean who have gathered in Jerusalem. And what was it that they were speaking in these different tongues? Well, that's made clear by Peter when he then stands up. And he then proclaims the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is Jesus. He's the son of David. He's the king of Israel. He's the one who was innocent, the one without sin, who was was uh, put to death for the sins of the nations and those who believe in him. So just to clarify, Peter, you and I are on the same page here. When we talk of tongues, we are talking about languages known to men that primarily are used to declare the great and glorious works of God. In other words, a tongue is specifically designed to be a, mir a miracle. This is a language known to men that I didn't learn. So let's say I know how to speak English, Afrikaans and a smattering of uh, Zulu. Um, but in reality, if I had to speak in tongues, I would be speaking in German or in Japanese, which mm. I do not know from a bar of soap other than Sayonara. And I'm just thinking in Japanese. I could probably say something, but uh, but <laughs> not live on air. Um, uh, from, from watching movies, uh, you know, kind of like old war movies, <laughs> I could try and muster up something from the great escape. The bottom line, though, is what would be a miracle is I haven't learned German or Japanese. And so if I to speak German or Japanese, that in itself would be a miracle, but the miracle is further compounded because I would be declaring the great and glorious works of God mm. in ways that the hearers could understand. Definitely. I mean, that's like, that's amazing, that's right? Amazing. I mean, that is amazing. That is. Okay, so Acts chapter 2 rocks when we, mm. when we start off the conversation regarding tongues. And um, an objection that is often thrown towards this being real languages in instead of also the people try to justify it being like um, unrecognizable sounds is they would often go to 1 Corinthians 13 to, to verse 1 where Paul says if I speak in tongues of men and of angels he says that there Paul see Paul says you can speak in tongues of men and tongues of angels so this this gibberish that you call gibberish it's it's a tongue of angel but that's not what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul is speaking in the hyperbole. I mean, literally, he uses the word hyperbole at the yes. end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a more excellent way, a, a hyperbolic way. Yes. <laughs> and he talks about like offering your body to the flames. He's not saying actually offer yeah. your body to the flames. He's speaking in hyperbole. Because he's trying to emphasize love. 
that that is the emphasis, the importance of love. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Then there's second hyperbole. If I have all prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, but have not, you know, that love, it's it's useless. He didn't have all prophetic powers. He didn't know all knowledge. And then the last hyperbole he gives in verse free if if i give away everything i have and if i give up my body to be burned he never did that you know he never gave up his body to be burned but if i do not have love i gain nothing and so he's he's using these free hyperboles these free exaggerations to emphasize the importance of love to this corinthian church that seemed to lack <laughs> uh, loving one another and uh, so that's just a that's a common a common objection that I that I hear, but it's it's a it's a misuse of of the text. That's not at all what Paul is saying. So, so I, I would just conclude by saying that glossa tongues, it's every time in the New Testament, it's it's always been a language, a real language, and the purpose has always been the proclamation of God. So, so now that we kind of like have broached the topic of tongues, and thank you so much. Um, Janice for asking the question I, I do however want to answer your question uh, even more directly not just to interpret what tongues means but also to answer your question and so your question was why uh, speak in tongues and the answer I think is given most clearly by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 he says in verse 22 the following tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers and so if you take a look at the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 he's speaking about the worship service he's speaking about um, prophecy and tongues and how we engage and interact with one another and the key idea through the whole of 1 Corinthians 14 is the idea that the gifts of God are given that we might be edified that we might be built up and in this case tongues specifically as a miraculous gift is given for unbelievers that they might indeed even as they hear tongues be excited and wonder and marvel at the glory of God and the miracle that they are observing and that they would hear of the great and glorious works of God in a language which they have never that, that the person who's speaking them has never learnt. in other words it, it underpins it underlines it highlights and accentuates that this person is indeed speaking the very words of God in, in contrast to prophecy for instance which is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers that's the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 22 now Janice, I, I'd love to bring in somebody else at this stage. So a very good friend of mine, uh, like a best friend of mine, Andrew, um, after last week's show when we were speaking about tongues in particular, said, ah, Mark, but you need to engage with somebody who asks the kinds of questions that you are not interacting with. Um, and he referenced me to an excellent article written by Sam Storms. Now, Sam Storms is a theologian. I've actually read and listened a bit to Sam Storms. He really does speak on clarity on a number of issues. Um, he's what would be called a continuist. He holds to a continuation of the sign gifts, particularly the gift of tongues. And he puts together 10 arguments um, around the gift of tongues. I've read the arguments. I'm pretty keen on engaging with them. I doubt we'll be able to engage on all of these arguments uh, this morning. But, but I thought that 
that maybe we could start to interact um, with some of the objections that Sam Storms raised. And he actually says, my plea to cessationists, and by the way, I mean, Peter, that would be you and me, mm. uh, cessationists, uh, you know, whether pragmatic cessationists or... <laughs> partial or full cessationist we could well be called cessationists we see this gift as having ceased in some form i'm just pragmatically not seeing it in play the way that i would expect to around me um but sam writes my plea to all cessationists is simply this refute each of these arguments with uh, persuasive and biblically based counter evidence or cease appealing to this notion that tongues are always human languages as a reason for embracing your view on the perpetuity of such gifts. So his first argument out of 10 is that Acts 2 is the only text in the New Testament where tongues or speech consists of foreign languages not previously known by the speaker. This is an important text, yet there is no reason to think that Acts 2, rather than say 1 Corinthians 14, is the standard by which all occurrences of tongues must be judged. Other factors suggest that tongues could also be heavenly or angelic speech. And so the first argument is, hey man, Acts chapter 2, it's the only place where tongue speech consists of foreign languages not previously known by the speaker. Well, let me start off by saying, mm, Sam, I think that that is incorrect. And uh, let me give you um, textual reasons for that. The next place in God's word where tongues is spoken uh, would be, I typed in my Bible accidentally, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I meant to say um, Acts chapter 10. And in Acts chapter 10, we have the story of Peter taking the good news of the gospel uh, to Cornelius, a man who evidently feared God. And we read of tongues coming down uh, in a peculiar way, being given as a gift by the Holy Spirit in a peculiar way during the conversion of Cornelius and indeed all that were at his house. Now you would be contending right now um, that this would be different to Acts chapter 2 um, because the argument being made in the first point is that Acts chapter 2 is the only text in the New Testament where tongue speech consists of foreign languages not previously known to the speaker. But it would seem that the writer of Acts, Luke, is being very intentional in making you, the reader understand that what they are seeing in Acts chapter 10 is the same as what happened at Acts chapter 2. In fact, uh, Peter in, did I say Paul earlier or did I say Peter? I think I, I, I said, think Peter. said Peter. Yeah. I just want to make very, very evident that it's Peter. In, in fact, Peter makes that clear as he then goes to the believers in Jerusalem and gives an account of what happened in Cornelius's house. And it's true to say that at Cornelius's house we just read um, of tongues. And one would then say, ah, oh, well, it's not explicitly languages known to men. And so it could be anything. It could be an angelic language, uh, a language unknown to men. Although there wouldn't be anything really miraculous about that. Um, but Peter himself, as he goes and he speaks to the believers, um, gives this understanding, um, both when he speaks at the time that Cornelius is saved and later as he testifies in Jerusalem. In verse 37, he says, well, verse 34, he opens his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. 
As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he, he goes and he explains the gospel message to them. In verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. In other words, the, something incredible is happening here because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles for they were hearing them speaking in tongues extolling God now here's the thing they heard them speaking in tongues and very specifically they were extolling God in other words just like at the beginning they were declaring the mighty works of God and his awesome purpose well Peter then when he responds to and reports to the church in Jerusalem uh, says uh, in from I'm going to pick it up from uh, verse 15 as I began to speak the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning and I remembered the word of the Lord how he said John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit if God gave them the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ who was that I could stand in God's way. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Now, when they heard these things, they fell silent. In other words, the people in Jerusalem fell silent. And then after that, they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that Acts 2 is very clearly languages known to men. Acts chapter 10 Peter is very clear it's the same gift as we received at the beginning that would be languages known to men and the Jewish witnesses in chapter 10 they heard them extolling the great and glorious works of God so that would be my response to Sam Storms, just in terms of his first point, that Acts 2 is the only text in the New Testament where tongue speech consists of foreign languages. Now, in addition to Acts chapter 10, I think I could make a very good case from Acts chapter 14 that it is speaking about languages known to men. As I go across to Acts chapter 14 and as I read it, it seems abundantly clear that Paul is saying that tongues must be understood. Hmm. That's the that's the whole point that he's that he's trying to make in Acts chapter 14 and he and he makes it um in a number of ways the whole way through the chapter but maybe most specifically um he talks on uh, three illustrations three metaphors that if a tongue isn't understood it doesn't count it's absolutely pointless he says in verse 6 and now it's in the words of Paul now brothers if I came to you speaking in tongues how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching if even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes how will anyone know what is played in other words a flute needs to be played in a way that you can hear the melody else no one's going to know what's going on this is his first illustration his first metaphor his second one is if a bugle gives an indistinct sound who will get ready for battle in other words on the battlefield if you hear a bugle going dun, 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 or whatever it might be yeah, what's the sound of redraw dun, uh, I, ca I can't remember but the bugle sound to withdraw from battle if it doesn't actually make the sounds that can be understood by everyone mm. what's the point of the bugle he goes on to saying so with yourselves 
if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. In other words, tongues need to be languages known to men, else what's the point? There will doubtless be many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. In other words, languages have meaning. Friends, when you speak a language, it's known to men. Um, and then he ends off uh, by saying, uh, but if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. That's his third metaphor. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. In other words, tongues are given to build up the church. They're not just given so that you can speak into the air uh, sounds that when together with other people in the church spoken into the air sound beautiful and lift your emotions no they're given so that they can be understood and so i do believe that on sam storm's first point he is absolutely incorrect acts 2 is not the only text in the new testament where tongue speech consists of foreign language we can cite acts 10 in addition to that and then certainly 1 corinthians 14 is the standard by which all occurrences of tongue speech must be judged Um, and I would say um, any other passages of scripture uh, which would include uh, the disciples of John and the Samaritans when they speak in tongues um, can be therefore judged according to Acts 2, Acts 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I don't know if there's anything that you want to add in terms of a conversation with with Sam. Yeah, that was a masterful answer. Thank you for that. One thing that I'd just like to address is I, I think it is sort of I think it's a bit of a fallacy to say you know to, to go on the assumption that Acts chapter 2 let's say for the sake of argument it was the only chapter that you just disproved now but let's say for the sake of argument it was the only chapter in the Bible that dealt with this example shouldn't that be enough I mean how, how many examples would then satisfy you would two satisfy you two examples would three examples satisfy you um to, to, to give an illustration I have a often I have a good conversation with a, a Muslim friend of mine and he he does the the same sort of reasoning around the virgin birth of Jesus yes he says well the Old Testament has what 589 chapters and there's only one verse in the Old Testament that prophesies the virgin birth the New Testament has how many chapters and there's only two places in the whole New Testament in Matthew and Luke where the virgin birth is recorded. You'd think if it was such an important thing that it would be repeated a lot and that's the line of argument he he makes Mm. and uh, it's the same sort of fallacy that I see in this line of argument Um, just just for the sake of argument if it was repeated once. That shouldn't disqualify it. Well and and maybe just to kind of close off uh, we, we might go on to the second point that Sam raises but but this is a conversation between brothers. Mm. This isn't a conversation between between um, those that desire to disparage the word of God. I, I sincerely believe that Sam Storms is intentionally trying to find um, biblical and valid biblical evidence uh, for the arguments that he's trying to make. And I think based on that, and uh, that I do truly view him as a brother in Christ. Um, we, we want to engage with one another, uh, sure, with the element of uh, of uh, of um, what's the right word um, we, we, we want to be we want to be as sound as we mm. can as we engage with one another uh, we want to be bold where we are bold we want to be biblical in 
in yeah. all of these matters and, and answer one another biblically. Now, I haven't prepared um, to answer these questions. I'm, I'm, I'm reading them as they are in front of me. Um, I don't know what number two is, but but I'm going to read it. We've got a couple of minutes before we are joined uh, by a friend, uh, Sibu Cecil, um, on the call as we have a spotlight on a local church. But the second question is, to begin, uh, if tongue speech is always in a foreign language, intended as a sign for unbelievers, which interesting is what we spoke about uh, to Janice, then why are tongues in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19 spoken in the presence of only believers? Um, so maybe let me just read the question again. It's it's so interesting. It just happens to be what we were speaking about with with Janice and the point that I had made. Um, so it wasn't preempted. But to being to begin, if tongue speech is always in a foreign language, which we have contended that it is, and intended as a sign for unbelievers, why are the tongues in Acts chapter ten and Acts chapter nineteen spoken of in the presence only of believers? Well. In Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, we are talking about um, tongues being spoken um, at the point of belief um, in much the same way as Acts chapter 2. It's tightly related to the salvation narrative of Pentecost. Acts chapter 10 is tightly related to the salvation narrative of Cornelius. Acts chapter 19 is tightly related to the salvation narrative of the final Jewish converts, the Old Testament saints, those that believed in John the Baptist's baptism of coming into faith. And I would say that the sign, um, in terms of its intention for un- unbelievers, um, as um, tongues are spoken, they are unbelievers, they are hearing the great and glorious work of the Lord, and we have a, re- a record of them coming to faith as as the gift of the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Um, now, now, Luke might not be dishing that out in chronological sequence in, in the way that you desire it to be. Um, but the reality is, even as tongues are being spoken, there are unbelievers in the room in both Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, and then spoken about uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I d- maybe also just to say, it seems that the sign is also given for the Jewish observers. Mm. So, I, I mean, it's really important to note that the observers in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and in Acts chapter 19 are all Jews. In Acts chapter 2, it's Jews from all over the known world that listen and marvel at the sign. In Acts chapter 10, there are a number of Jewish converts who accompany Peter with him um, from Tarshish, where they found Peter. I'm sure it was Tarshish where they found Peter. They that accompany him to Cornelius, and um, and and those Jewish observers observe this tongues, and and therefore understand that this can be communicated back to the church in Jerusalem. And again, we have the discussion of the Jewish converts um, under John the Baptist's baptism. Uh, again, are witnesses in Acts chapter nineteen. Interesting. Sam dropped off uh, the the fourth conversation of tongues and that would be those that are in Samaria again you have Jewish Jewish converts who come down from Jerusalem to Samaria together with I think Philip the evangelist um, and that would be around Acts chapter 8 chapter 9 and they also witness the 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 speaking of tongues as a miracle and marvel and report back to the church in Jerusalem and so I, I think maybe just uh, one uh, 
one time that tongues is spoken about an axe has been dropped off uh, the conversation in the second point that Sam raises um, but number two in, in all of those points there are unbelievers in the room that are witnessing this great and glorious miracle yeah and, and for for our listeners who would want to dig around the, uh, this topic a bit for themselves uh, on, on our Facebook stream I'll also put it on our IONO um dot fm uh, for those for those listening to stream there i'll put the link there to a, a small booklet a smallish booklet it's not too small uh, written by pastor jewel james where he just deals with a lot of these topics very much in the same way mark that you dealt with it now cool and and what i what i want to do is also on the on the stream right now on radio pulpit i have put a link uh, to sam's original 10 uh, questions that he wrote uh, and the article that he wrote and that'll give us an indication because we can't deal with all 10 of them today uh, we'll deal with a couple more next week um, and then into the next year well i i see we're coming up for half past and we have a new feature on the show um, it's an opportunity really for us to engage with uh, with local pastors from local churches and this morning we're joined by a friend he's a new friend that I've made since I've come to Pretoria he's at the church in Mamelodi uh, his, uh, his uh, name is Sibo uh, Sisa I'm going to give him the opportunity to introduce himself um, but what we really desire to do is to introduce um, listeners to local church pastors here what's happening in local churches and have an opportunity to give something of a spotlight um, to churches that we know that we're in fellowship with that would include maybe Baptist Northern Association churches that would include some Solo Five churches that would include some Christ Seminary graduates it's interesting that this is the first time that we're doing it and this time it is and other friends um, Sibu you fall into the other friend category it's really cool to be joined uh, by you today uh, Thank you so much for joining Maybe you just want to introduce yourself And uh, the church in Mamalodi to us um, Yeah, good morning, can you hear me? I can hear you fine, loud and clear brother Awesome um, Yeah, good to have you brothers You guys are chopping it up with How long were you what? listening in? About 15 minutes. Uh, uh, I think you're making the case. You, you know I'm what? Like, maybe, oh. maybe next week you, you should come and join us and we can make it kind of like a more rounded conversation. Yeah. Uh, have a couple of friends that. in the room. <laughs> love that. Would love that. Um, yeah. So um, my name is Busisam Lojwa. Thanks, Mark, for having me. Uh, originally from Mpumalanga, a place called Emalaseni, uh, used to be called Vetbank. But uh, now reside in, I've uh, been in Pretoria now, yo, feel like a, I feel like a local man since 2002, uh, more than what, close to 20 years. <laughs> okay, so I got, so, I got 19 years to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've been, when did you arrive? I arrived it, in January this year, so I'm coming up for a year. Um, Condolences to you, brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I love Victoria, uh, yeah. man. Oh, I, I was actually, I, I was taking my daughter to Hammond's Crawl uh, yesterday, yes. and we were driving, you know, up the N1 uh, northward, and just looking around. We live in an absolutely beautiful city. I, I love the kopis, you know, the little mountainous areas. It is incredibly green. It's treed. Um, I mean, really, Pretoria is an undervalued city as far as South African places are concerned. Mm, it is a privilege to be here. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Uh, we have the, I, th- I feel like we have the best of both worlds in Pretoria. 
Um, you know, we're able to, we're not as rushed as Joburg, um, but it, but at the same time, it and feels not as, like... And not like, as clicky as Cape Town. If you're listening in from Cape Town, I'm sorry I said that, but but other people say that about you. <laughs> Pretoria is the uh, Borough Curtain. We, we, we get to wear shorts and uh, enjoy bra flakes yep. and uh, everyone's like really friendly to one another. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> and we get to eat spatlo. Uh, in the location, uh, we get to hang out. And uh, we, we even have our own language in Mamelodi. Uh, you know, so we create our own way of talking as well. But yeah, I've been here s- since then and um, planted a church with uh, with a church called Central Baptist, where you are now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. A shout out to Pastor, to Pastor Charles. Uh, the team there love those guys. Um Around twenty what twenty two thousand and nine, um, yeah, two thousand and nine, we planted a church. Not planted, let me say, revitalized uh, a church from. So we were sent out from uh, Central Baptist Church, which is more like in a, in a it's, it's a suburban. Well, it's closer to the inner city in Pretoria, but we were sent out to Sunnyside Pretoria to sort of revitalize that work. Around two thousand and ten. Um, yeah, then we sort of went there, and then um, yeah, just you know, it was it was a really and I was at seminary during that time, so it was a really growing time for me to to really understand, to get my hands dirty, to understand what real ministry looks like amongst people of Nigerian, Cameroonian, Zimbabwean, uh, you know, that inner city kind of vibe. Um, uh, so around about 2010 to 2015. We were there trying to revitalize that work. But what I realized was people were taking like one, two taxis to come to to, to town uh, from, from Harankua, from Soshanguve, from Mamilodi. They were coming there uh, because there was, they're saying they were lacking biblical churches. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it is desire, a love, a heart sort of grew for me because I, I grew up in the township. So it's not something that's unfamiliar to me. But a desire grew. Um, I believe the Lord laid it on my heart um, to really plant a church. And so around 2015, um, yeah, we planted a church. Uh, we, we, you know, had a desire to plant the church. And then um, I spoke to to two guys who were, I know, love church planting, whom I know that they have a passion for it. A guy called Dobi and Johan. Mm, who, who I've heard those names plenty of time. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting them. Yeah, great, great, great guys. Um and so I wrote to them, and then uh, that same year, I uh, went to a city to went to New York for a four-week church planting intensive at Redeemer. Oh, that's uh, Tim church. Keller. That's Tim Keller. Um, and so, yeah, from there on, 2016, uh, we started moving into the area, sort of like building relationships, and then we started meeting 2018, I think January. Um, yeah, that's where we started meeting at the church. Just me, my wife, and uh, just two, three people. Wow. Uh, we just went, we're Mavericks. We just went in. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I appreciate your story. It reminds me something of my own as I, I went to Crystal Park Baptist really? Church. So I, I planted, sure. um, and again, what, did I plant or did I revitalize? There, there was a building and there were five people. Um, but, but I was sent as a missionary to go and plant in, in Benoni and was joined by a mutual friend of ours, uh, Gideon and Penny, pretty soon after that. Yeah. And, um, and just I remember all the excitement and all the kind of fears and all the complexity 
complexity of being such a small <laughs> church. Um, yeah, yeah, and just and then all the joys of seeing that grow over time. That I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, uh, the church in Mamelodi. Where where exactly are you located? Um, when do you meet? What is a what does a Sunday morning service look like and feel like? Uh, we're located in Mamelodi. So Mamelodi is divided into two. There's Mamelodi West, okay, which is uh, really where Mamelodi started. Okay, it's, it's the more traditional side. It's more. It's the one with the historic sort of sites and yes. uh, the hostels and, and and where Mamelodi started. Then it grew into Mamelodi East. That's where we are. Okay, um, and yeah, Mamelodi East. We 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 there. I think it's the it's the part where mostly Mamelodi is growing. Um, it's growing in. It's more younger, um, so that's how our church looks like. It's it's very youthful. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and you know we, we try to be Christ centered. We try to be. It's vibrant, um, and 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 you know yeah, very young, very young. A lot of young people that are really, and it's interesting. Yeah, to see young people loving sound teaching, loving. Um, loving the word and i think i think this is what people are longing for as we we sort of preached um the the, the word and so so yeah when we preach and we started it was i think it's something that's still sort of new you know focus on expository preaching and focus on you know conservative theology you say this this is like something new and you talk yes. about focus on expository preaching expose uh, uh, focus on on reformed theology i mean these these are these are words that resonate with me like my heart is delighted i I met you i think for the first time we might have met in passing before but i I met you um at a conference or at a seminar or an event that we had early in the year and immediately on talking to you i could just sense you know like so many connections so many uh kind of kindred touch points uh, uh amongst us what is the complication or the difficulty of taking mm. theology, which I'm so used to right now in terms of um, exposure to it within a suburban context, but what are some of the complications of taking that kind of preaching style, expository preaching, making the main point of preaching of a passage of scripture, the main point of your yes. sermon, and then applying it into the lives of the believers and, and reform theology and, and some of the other distinctives that you hold to. What are some of the complications of of taking that into Mamelodi in specific? Sure. Yeah, the, that's a question of, of um, we often ask ourselves if in as brothers who to ministry in the township. Um, I think I think um, it's a couple of things. I think there's a sense in which uh, the Reformed theology, uh, I think traditionally so, um, it's intellectual. Um, if I can, yes, kind of one distinctive, which which I know it's, it sounds like, you know, why is that complicated? And I think a lot of ministry when we do ministry in the township, um, yeah, we. Yeah, there's a there's a strong theology of the spirit, and not so much um, of the word, the sufficiency of scripture, which you know, in terms of sort of like explaining the passage verse by verse and um, assuming or coming into the into the text, assuming that it makes sense, that it can be understood, that you can break down systematically as you guys were doing now with tongues. Um, I think it's something that. 
it's 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 we are it's not assumed so much in the township there's a there's a strong theology of the spirit that says that um you know whatever that the spirit says is what goes whatever the man of god says is what is what goes and so a lot of people have a very high view of 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 men of god uh, i use that in inverted commas i know uh, paul uses it in a in a very in a different way than the, what is understood when we when people think of a man of god and so i think because of of that one it's just one thing because of that um worldview that some when somebody's words when somebody speaks who stands up on the pulpit and opens the bible when they speak you should just take it without necessarily scrutinizing what it says so now when we coming in and we saying hey i'm not a big deal man i'm just i'm spusiso i've got a wife i'm trying to love my wife uh, i'm a sinner um jesus you know jesus is the big deal um that's the guy and he's written a book he's written words there's verbs there's subjects there's we got to study them uh, god has spoken and we believe he's used this book to speak and so when we come and we sort of um speak like that it's yeah it's 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 there's a pushback to that because it's like but but the way we understand church is that the man of god is supposed to to have power and then power you know mm. in a in a in a different sense so i think that yeah i think that's that's one of the what we've seen is one of the big reasons why we're seeing a pushback from those that um maybe some of some have come and of have also left our church actually because we've said to them hey like you guys have talking about tongues now somebody would just come and say but but my experience says this but my um especially with demon possession and and stuff mm. like that people have Where, when's your deliverance very, service you know do, do you do you have a deliverance service on a wednesday night you know i, I mean even yeah. in the suburbs i've had those kinds of questions uh, those yeah. kinds of questions have been have have been posed to me and you know, we've have to have an apologetic and it doesn't always sound <laughs> um or it's not always accepted absolutely um exactly so so when people then hear that because it's they don't have a um a framework they don't have a point of reference for understanding that kind of ministry we actually people might actually think we're the cult <laughs> it's very funny yeah it's like you are the one that's actually different from from um why is it that if you guys are preaching the truth and i don't want to make it sound like we're the only ones because there's there's brothers that have been there before us yes that have uh, preached the truth and, and 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 to say to balance it and to say that we also need to grow in our understanding of the, the theology of the spirit because ah. i do i do think that we we have a very uh, developed theology of christ but yes our theology Undercooked. of the spirit also needs to grow in our understanding. So there's a sense in which we also need to to keep on applying it and and understanding and understanding that that doctrine very well. But but we do find that um, there is a um, there is a challenge in terms of that normal, regular, boring Sunday preaching yes. discipleship. It's like man, there's got to be more to church than this. This is too. It's too. It's too boring. It's like. I, Where's the power? I've been reading uh, much of John Calvin over the last 20 years. And one of the things that John Calvin, as a reformer in the 1600s, did was he reclaimed a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It seems mm. as if we haven't made much of our roots. 
um, in the 21st century in some ways. And, and uh, you're right. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is something that we do need to reclaim and we need to position well um, in, the, in the world in which we are found because people are asking questions about the Holy Spirit. And so we need to speak about his person, uh, about his presence, about his work, yes. uh, about the way that he empowers us uh, and the way that mm-hmm. he ultimately uh, stirs the heart of man and opens their eyes that they might see Jesus. We, we need to get better at all of these things. But but I'm I'm now intrigued, uh, Sibu, as I'm as I'm listening to you speak. Um, I, I I recognize that that we are the same, like we are brothers. We cut from the same cloth, uh, and yet you That's are it. in Mamelodi, and I am in Arcadia and Zwavelpoort. Uh, our churches, I'm, I'm assuming, will look and and sound possibly similar in some ways on a Sunday, different in others. Uh, maybe tell mm-hmm. me uh, how are we similar on a, in a Sunday service and and. And and how might we be different on a Sunday service? Mm. Mm. Um, I've never been to your church, but uh, I think I have an idea of. Um, I've, I've seen some services <laughs> online. I, I, I've actually heard your 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 music and your singing and your um, your worship, and and I found it to be to be very diverse, um, which is not typical uh, in terms of your the, your your songs and and just vibrant, which. Which is probably where would be we would be different. We would be very, um, in terms of our music, um, you know, we'd sing in in um, in Sutu and Zulu. Yes. Uh, the language in Mamilodi is mostly Pedi uh, slash Sutu slash Tswana. Okay. That's the dominant uh, language, and so um, our music would be intentionally of uh, Venek. Yes. Uh, if I can say. And very lively. <laughs> yes. Okay, so t- t- um, interpret very yeah. lively for me. Come on, I'm well, Lungu, I, you know. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, I don't understand these things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I heard you guys speak about tongues, and I've, I've seen some brothers write about, you know, music and stuff. But we would, we would, we would dance. Yes. Um, Hallelujah. We would dance. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we still want our words. Want, we want to be uh, biblical. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think there's an expression. There's a there's a joyfulness. There's a vibrancy. There's a liveliness. Um, you know, the the back and forth as somebody's speaking, everybody's saying "Amen," and it's we, we're just loud. Let me just say that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> I love the I love the so, I love the sound of that. Come on, brother Tommy. What are you currently preaching through, and why? Um, uh, what are you focused on at the moment? Right. Um, t- December people typically leave. Um, you know, it's like a graveyard in Gauteng. You know? mm, mm. Yeah, no, I feel <laughs> Everybody the pain. <laughs> home or to holidays, or and so we, which is not our normal style. We topical at the moment. Okay. Um, what topic? Are, what topic are you covering? Well, um, last Sunday I was on Gen Seventeen, uh, where the title of the message was "Mission Accomplished, Rejoice." We're, we're basically just saying. How Jesus and, and I see the prayer of Jesus just saying, "Man, um, what my Father gave me to do, I was able to do it." And so, I was just encouraging the guys to say, "You know, in spite of what was not done this year, don't look to yourself. Look to what Christ has already accomplished." And I think John 17, it's a real summary of of, of if you're feeling, you know, discouraged, if you feel like maybe your goals were not met, um, you look to Jesus and say, "He met his goals, right? He." He, he accomplished his mission. He didn't go to the World Cup like Brazil 
and hoped to finish but didn't but he actually he actually accomplished his mission and every so single soul that he hung on the cross and died for ultimately will be saved because he is sovereign yeah. in salvation yes and he finished the mission he accomplished it and i think that's what that's the point that he, jesus is saying in john 17 i have manifested your name I've, I've kept them and for me man that's like wow that's amazing that i can look to somebody else who has who has done what i cannot do for myself and so um this week we'll be talking about um, the sabbath um i'm just in fact fridays are my pre- sermon prep so i'm in the office now just sort of finalizing um you know talking about sabbath rest as a as a spiritual discipline and, and basically just giving our guys from genesis to revelation um the principle of rest um in in genesis in the law and the prophets as we see in the gospels as we also will see it in revelation and basically saying i think i think we we've never thought about rest the way that the bible talks about we always think about it just physical rest yeah but but there's a stuff that i've been meditating on about how sabbath is just it's also a time of worship mm-hmm. um so we're talking about that on sunday but we just finished ephesians that was our you know we called it pop and flace kind of uh, philosophy of preaching that's yes. what we eat yes i'm, I'm with eat, you uh, completely of the bible yes praise the lord in ephesians what a glorious book so brother if Man, you had to in terms it? of your preparation process if you had to kind of call out three of your favorite resources that you refer to in any given week what would they be um somebody I know referred me to a resource called Precept Austin. Hey, praise the Lord! I don't know. I don't know who did the referral. Um, we but... don't know who that person is, but um, <laughs> that's a the, great resource. Something that's yeah, Precept Austin. So I've I have um, in well, obviously I don't go to the commentaries before I I study. I make sure that I read the text. Yes. On Monday I meditate on it, and I make observations. You know that's how we're taught at Christ Seminary. I still find that to be the most helpful thing just sit and make observation of what the text hey, is saying Sibu, we, and you we're, just sort of like, we're in december yeah. and i forgot that you were a cross seminary grad i'm sorry about that you're a cross seminary grad brother um peter's also a cross seminary grad do a quick pitch for cross seminary oh, really? there might be a listener that's listening in yes. and uh, and is thinking about seminary next year and um, why is cross seminary a great place for them to check out Christ seminary um yeah, I, 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 I see that's where everything changed for me because they, they, they are very committed to, to the Bible. They're very committed to giving you, especially expository preaching. I know there's a lot of seminaries, but yes. when it comes to training expositors, yes. how, do you bring, how do you preach the Bible? Um, I think they are the best. I don't want to... I'm not I'm not want to compare, but I think um, the way that the, the training, the philosophy, and 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 the commitment, even the men's lives. I think that another element is is the personal lives of the lecturers that we get to to know. Yes. Uh, people like Charlie, yeah. Dr. Dave. E- every um, every Christ Seminary grad that I've spoken to has has actually given the exact same account. Number one, I learned how to preach expository with confidence. And number two, I got to gaze into the life of the lecturers. They, uh, it's just very consistent um, from guys that have attended Christ Seminary. Gideon and Penny, in fact, is listening in on the show right now. He just posted to uh, Facebook, thanks for this relevant talk. He's up in 
um, I was going to say Malawi, but he's actually up in Zambia um, at the African Christian oh. University up on the Copper Belt. He's been uh, invited uh, up there. He's involved, I think he's the registrar or the dean of students um, and lecturing now um, in that capacity. He was he's my also, classmate. So he's also a classmate. Uh, and he is yeah. a brother and a friend. I love that man. I really miss him. <laughs> um, so, so, okay, great. Uh, uh, you said you would start with um, with the Bible and you'd build yourself up to understand God's word that you might preach it um, with authority. Precept Austin is a is a resource that you might appeal to. Um, any any other resources that you'd like to commend to listeners that might help them um, in their own preparation and as they come to God's word. Um. So, do you mean like, because I think Precept Austin has, has all the commentaries and all that they need. Do you mean like, um, besides commentaries, maybe like uh, prayer? Okay, well, no, great. Uh, uh, yeah. Prayer, I, 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 yeah. Let How me does not, it work let me out for you? Wait, wait, wait. I, I have found that if I am, pre- if I am less prepared, I, in fact, the more that I preach now, I've found that 50% of the work is me getting my heart to be right. And then really... Uh, yeah, and then the less the the rest of the work is then the text the text work. But but yeah, I found prayer to be increasingly more important in in the preparation mm. in the preparation process. Yeah, mm. oh, praise the Lord. Thanks, uh, thanks for sharing, Sibu. Um, when you think of Mamelodi as a city, when you think of the Church of Mamelodi as a as a congregation, um, how's God working uh, in your area? How, how have you seen the hand of God moving over the last year? Yeah, and last year has been very um, difficult in terms of lockdown and everything. But um, interestingly, that's we've seen we've seen the Lord um, hand, you know, during the past year than than even when we started, which is very ironic. Um, so one of the things that happened was during lockdown, some of our youth were sort of behind in their work. Um, at school, and and so my wife, my dear wife, who is very smart, smarter than me, praise God, uh, started a maths and science sort of tutoring program. So some of our youth came through to our house, mm. where she taught them calculus and she taught them, um, you know, maths and science and <laughs> yeah, kept I them did, accountable. I did, ca- I did calculus twenty years ago, and I couldn't imagine teaching calculus to anyone. I mean, I just did an introduction as part of uh, maths in what grade twelve or standard ten. Uh, that that's mind blowing. She must be a very smart lady. <laughs> Hold on no, to that is. one. <laughs> Um, yeah, I married up, as they say. <laughs> Praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> um, and so she started that, and then we moved it to our venue in Mamilodi East, and it just grew. We, then we had about 80 to 100 kids that showed up on a Saturday to be tutored. And we were excited not just about the education, but we we're excited about the opportunity to share the gospel. Mm. And so it has led it has led to, you know, just amazing, amazing fruit that God has has, has been pleased to to use uh, in terms of the kids now, um, you know, we were preaching sort of like before we started the tutoring, we would then preach and share the gospel. And then they were so excited, they wanted a Bible study. Um, so we, we started the Bible study, then we invited them to church. And so I would say our church is now 80%, yeah, 70 to 80% youth. Wow. Um, just full of those young people that are just so hungry 
for truth. Um, and so that's that's something that's exciting for us because when we went to Mamilodi, it's something we we always hoped and longed to to reach the youth and to reach the young couples, especially the men as well. And so we're seeing the Lord, you know, just just changing their heart in, in very simple ways, just like discipleship, one-on-one moments where we're going through the scriptures, um, you know, with, with some of the guys. Um, just the Lord is just opening their eyes. So so it's more of a, yeah, it's a renewal, man. It's a gospel renewal mm. that, that we're seeing happening amongst the youth. That is in, so in, exciting. I mean, yeah. it really is. It's, it's exciting. It's thrilling. Uh, Gideon says, yes. praise God for his providence. And, uh, and Kelly is joyful along with you. Um, Sibu, why should a listener who's living near your church maybe considering or looking for a church? Why, why should they consider visiting you guys? Um, there is nothing special about us as a people. Um, that sounds. <laughs> that question sounds like McDonald's um, <laughs> um, or Mark. <laughs> why should they? I, as I think about what we have, what we have is is God's word. Mm. Uh, what we have is God's spirit. What we have is God's promise, and we committed to to opening the door and saying, um, "Let's let's all fall after Jesus. Let's let's hear the good news, right? The good mm. news of Jesus." Uh, yes. And I think we will. We, they should come because we will give them the good news of of what's really, really the good news in the midst of bad news in South Africa. We will keep on. Um, lifting up Jesus, showing them how he answers life's deepest problems, even wherever they find themselves, whatever is happening in their life. Um, they will always find, when they come, they will always find encouragement, sometimes rebuke, but it will always be good news from from um, from the Word of God. Hey man, that's a that's a really good answer. I'm I'm so glad that we got to interview you this morning. Maybe you want to point people to how they can find you guys in a digital space or physical space. Uh, we the church in Mamilodi. Uh, I know the name is also. Uh, we just looked at the Bible and we saw Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. It's like um, let's not try to be creative. So we are <laughs> I like the church it. It's Mamilodi. very cool. It's a very contemporary name. Uh, it, it it rocks. <laughs> yeah, the church in Mamilodi on Google. Uh, if you just type that, it will lead us straight to where we are. But for those who are in Mamilodi or those who are in the township, we're in a place called Small Complex um, in Mamilodi East, uh, close to the BP garage. If you know the BP garage in East, you are close to where we are. So, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's where we are. That's pretty cool. So, thank you so much for joining. It was uh, great to chat to you. I really enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to. Um, coming through and visiting you in Mamalodi and uh, and eating together and I'm breaking man. bread. I'm looking forward to this. Already ordered. I've already ordered the kota and the spatlo and the chisanyama. I'm like I'm like so super excited. You have no idea. <laughs> God God bless you, brother, and thanks for chatting. Thanks for having me, Mark. Appreciate this, man. <laughs> Every blessing. Bye. Well, Peter, okay. can you believe it is the top of the hour? We've been talking for two hours on uh, this public holiday, engaged in God's word, talking about God's truth, and um, hitting some pretty complex theology, and just uh, enjoying the time. I've, I've certainly enjoyed it. I hope you have too. There's nothing else I would rather be doing. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, guys, um, even as we come to the end of the show this morning, I, I do want to encourage you to, if you're on Facebook, like and share so that we can uh, encourage others to listen in on Fridays. Uh, if you're on other uh, mediums such as streaming, uh, if you can share links with family and friends, if you are listening on the podcast, now would be a great time to rate, subscribe and review. And uh, I, I do want to say until next week, uh, I do trust that you walk wisely, that you live holy, and that you testify zealously to God's praise and glory. Amen.